his power evermore, his glory to share. What a message we have as Christians to share with a lost and dying world. This morning, if you have your Bibles, you'll find your way to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter number 2, as we conclude our series of messages on the birth of Christ. And uh, this morning, we're going to be thinking about the good news for the shepherds and as well as others. We've looked in this series at the birth that happened there in Bethlehem how long they awaited for this birth, how it was anticipated for quite some time, especially during that intertestinal period where there was 400 years of no word from God. And I'm sure there were some times of questions, uh, some times of anxiety of when is this Christ, this Messiah, going to be born? But then we finally saw where the hour had arrived and how the uh, messages of the angels came to various ones, how there was a taxing that went out and, and a journey that took them back to Bethlehem. And then we've seen the birth in the stable of all places. Not a spotless, clean, sanitary hospital like we have of today, but a place of, of animals and filth, and not a place that you would think of where a king uh, would be born. There was no doctor, but yet a doctor was chosen to tell the story. Old Luke was a physician, but not the great physician. And then we see here in chapter 2 of Luke where there is announcing uh, this news of, of Christ's birth to the shepherds. They were the first to know these humble uh, gentlemen that were keeping watch over their, their flocks. And how fitting that the Lamb of God was born in a manger. So that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning Luke chapter 2, and we'll read verses 10 and 11. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for the birth. Lord, we're thankful for the life. And Lord, we're thankful for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And Lord, just as those of ancient days anticipated your coming the first time, how we anticipate your coming again. Lord, be with us as we look at your word. God, speak to our hearts. Perhaps there's one here or one that may be listening. God, we pray uh, that if they are lost, that you would convict their heart. God, if they would be saved before it's eternally too late. Lord, for that one that maybe is still wandering in sin, Lord, that is backslidden, we pray that you would captivate their heart as well. Lord, they repent and return to you and Lord, for whatever you do here this morning, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor 
and the glory, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. There's three points I want to make this morning, and I'll make it brief, um, because I know many have family gatherings to uh, get to and and whatnot, and it's it's a, a rare occasion that Christmas falls on a Sunday, uh, Christmas Day for sure, and then Christmas Eve as well. Um, so, but anyhow, I'll try to keep this as brief as as possible. But I want us to notice, notice in verse ten that this good news for the shepherds, this good news for other sinners, in verse ten, is that there is the end of fear, the end of fear. Notice it says there to fear. Not those are two great words that are that are always in the vocabulary of angels. Every time you hear an angel um, giving a message, most every time they uh, precede whatever they're saying with "fear not." And I suspect that would be because in our human carnal nature mind, if an angelic being appeared to us, we would probably be filled with fear, right? And so their first words are, fear not. All these shepherds were afraid, but, but this runs deeper uh, in uh, than just being afraid of a sighting of this angel. Uh, this is uh, the, the, the evidence of fear goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. You remember when Adam and, and Eve had sinned in the garden, how that, uh, the scripture tells us that daily they walked with God. And when they took of that forbidden fruit, how that um, they went and hid themselves from God, from that daily walk, because they were afraid to see God. They were afraid of what they had done, what their eyes had been opened to. They were afraid. So it goes deeper than this, these uh, shepherds here. Uh, fear stalk men through all centuries. You'll find in Genesis chapter 12 how that Abraham lying about Sarah because of fear. In Genesis chapter 32, Jacob being afraid of Esau. Exodus chapter 4, how that Moses was afraid of Pharaoh and of rejection. Numbers chapter 14, how Israel was afraid to enter into the promised land. So this fear is something that goes much deeper than just seeing these angels. And Jesus would come and move through the area that he traveled and and he would dispel all of this fear. You remember the disciples? Out on that stormy uh, sea one night, how that the the waves were raging and and uh, how that it was crashing into the boat, and the scripture says that the boat was likely to be uh, ruined or or tossed to, to pieces, and so they were afraid until they saw Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus feared that he would never see again. The ten lepers who feared that they would never be able to be with their families again because of the sickness and the diseases in which they had. Mary and Martha feared that they would never see Lazarus alive again. As a matter of fact, when Jesus came and wept at the the grave of Lazarus, they even told Christ, Lord, you're three days late. 
three days late. Isn't it something how he still was able to make Lazarus rise? Fear at Christmas time. Well, we have a lot of those, don't we? Um, I noticed in the last few days of trying to get out, and I don't know if you know much about Little Rock, but uh, my office is on uh, Broadway, and and I've noticed it. It took a minute to get out anyway, um, but I've noticed the last few days it has taken me several minutes. I'm just sitting there as traffic is just back and forth, and it's the holiday time. We have the fear of things that is happening. I don't even go to the uh, to the Walmart. Uh, it's not happening with the way uh, the crowds are. Um, not only would we have a, probably an accident with the cars, but uh, I remember growing up, I would tell uh, mom it would be so crowded in Pontotoc Walmart. This is before the new one that they have now. Uh, the one that used to be there was a lot smaller. It wasn't a super center uh, then. But I remember telling mom that we was going to end up having a buggy wreck. You know, that's just because all the way the people are just crammed into those stores. We have such fear. We fear for our health. We fear for family. You turn on the news, we fear of world conditions, the economy, life in general. We fear. Faith is the opposite of fear. We are saved by faith and we are kept by faith. And we know that that faith can dispel all of that fear that we may have. So notice in verse 10 that not only is it the end of fear, but it is the birth of joy. Notice what it says. It says there, good tidings of great joy. I would say probably over half, probably 75%, maybe more, of the songs that are played and sang during Christmas time, every one of them has something to do or say about joy and what is this joy because this savior has been born that we're no longer under law aren't we thankful for that Uh, the food that you most of you probably are about to partake um, you would not be able to eat that um, if we were still under law it's the unclean things aren't you glad we're not under that uh, the whole Sabbath and, and keeping the days uh, under the law, having to go to the temple, having to have a, a priest to have a forgiveness of sins given to you, a sacrifice made for you. A Savior was born because Scripture had been fulfilled. Thousands of years of prophecy of this Christ child going to be born. And then 400 years of nothing from God. And then all of a sudden we have these angelic beings appearing and saying good news is coming. Christ is coming. The Messiah is coming. Because Christ is Lord. Oh, that's the greatest joy that we can have knowing that Christ is who he said he was. And he's doing just exactly as he said he would do. Can I encourage you this morning to come to him and have this joy? A lot of people live their life, and I've had this conversation with countless people down through the years. 
they're just miserable, right? They don't have no joy and they can't experience the joy. They don't know what life is really like apart from Christ. So many think that religion and church and Christ is, is a damper to life. I don't figure they'll be thinking that when this life is over. We have a lot to be thankful for. Come to Him and have that joy and trust in Him. One final thing in verse 10. It's not only the end of fear and the birth of joy, but it also is the beginning of evangelism. The beginning of evangelism. Notice the wording there. It says, When shall be to all people all people we was making a comment about methodist earlier and and um i love my methodist um, friends that i have i have a lot of them and um i mean there are a few differences between baptist and methodist and um there's a lot of things that we are alike alike on as well I spent five and a half years as what was supposed to have been just a uh, fill-in preacher and I ended up being there five and a half years and and I learned a lot about John Wesley in that five and a half years of ministering to those people there and one thing that I can agree for sure with 100% certainty because it is biblical with the Wesleyan faith, and that is that all need a Savior. That not only do all need a Savior, but that all can be saved. And you ask, well, what's significant about that? We as Baptists have believed that for years. No, (laughs) we haven't. Matter of fact, if you'll remember the Great Reformation era that, that took place when Martin Luther nailed that 95 uh, thesis to the, to the church wall and he was basically calling out everything wrong in what was the Catholic Church of the day. And that sparked this Reformation, and, and that's where you got Lutherans, that's where uh, some Reformed Baptists come out, Calvinists came out. They do not believe that all can be saved. Wesley saw it differently. Moody saw it differently. Because the Scripture says that all need a Savior. And I'm thankful that Scripture also says that all can be saved. Romans chapter 3 says that we are all sinners. Every single person that's ever walked the face of this earth, aside from Jesus Christ, is a sinner. But Paul also says in that same epistle, Romans chapter 5, that Christ died for all. For everyone, regardless of our social status, regardless of our economical status, regardless of of what uh, rung in the corporate ladder of success we stand on, regardless of the name brand of clothes that are about the the make and model of our vehicles or how big or new our house is, 
We are all sinners. And we all need Christ. And he is available to all people. Notice the actions of the uh, shepherds. How they went to see this Christ child. And they went and shared that Christ was born. The Messiah was born. We are also to be going about going with this uh, good news. We're not to just sit and soak on the way to heaven, as they would say. We are to be actively sharing the gospel. And just as I have mentioned this in the beginning of this series of messages, God meets us where we are. Regardless of how bad we think we are, how good we may think we are, God meets us where we are. Can I encourage you to come to Christ today? Come to him with your sins, with your fears, and be saved, and to tell all the good news that Christ has come. Christ has come. He has lived his life sinlessly. He has died on the cross of Calvary. He was buried. He rose again. And because of that, we have forgiveness available. This morning, we, as you see, um, it was told to me, I don't know, five or six months ago when I came here, um, that it's been a minute since the people of West Acres have partook of communion, and I had been praying as to a perfect time. And I had talked to several of my pastor friends, and, and I know our situation here is a little different than most um, that are meeting and uh, as far as people-wise. And I know a lot of churches are doing various things. And um, the church that I, the, the Methodist church that I come out of, um, they um, tonight they would be having a candlelight communion service. It's just something about being able to remember what Christ came for, and that was to die for our sins. And so uh, this morning, um, we are going to offer um, open communion, meaning that if you are saved and you are baptized into the church, not West Acres, not the Baptist church, not just the Methodist church, but if you are a born-again baptized Christian, I invite you to come to this table, all right? I don't believe the Lord turned anybody away, and neither will we. And so I'm going to say a prayer, and as I pray this, I would like to just mention what the elements are. Um, we have the bread and the, um, it's not real wine, right? I tried. I'm just kidding. Um but uh, we have the uh, grape juice, the, the bread, and so we're going to play a song. And this song, once, once I pray, um, is probably one of my favorite songs. Uh, matter of fact, it doesn't even have an official title uh, to this song. And this song was done to one of my 
heroes of the faith, Billy Graham. It was sung at many of his crusades, but it was also sung at his funeral because this was the message that he had proclaimed for so many years, a message that I have proclaimed for the last 17 and a half, 18 years of my life to simply come to Jesus. And so this morning we've offering the bread and the drink, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, as he gave it to his disciples at the time that he had told them that I'm going away and I'm preparing a place for you. And if I go away, that I will come again. And dear friend, that is our blessed hope this morning. He came the first time, right? And we're looking forward to that second time. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, how thankful we are. Lord, for your grace that is extended to all people. Lord, how there is no prerequisites to your loving embrace. God, how you call all that will come to you to repentance. and Lord, at anyone that will call out to you, how you save them. God, we're so thankful for that this morning. We're thankful for the birth of Christ and what it means the hope that it gives for us today that just as prophecy was fulfilled before, how that it will be fulfilled again. And Lord, as we partake of this communion, I pray that you would forgive any sins, any hindrances that are in my life, and Lord, for these that are partaken, God, that they would seek forgiveness as well. Lord, we're thankful for your death. But Lord, we're looking forward to being able to rise from the grave as well. And Lord, as we dismiss as well, we pray that you would grant us safety. And God, that you would bring us back the next appointed time. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If we all would stand, and as the music plays, if you would, just come by, take the bread, take the cup, go back to your pew, and then we'll partake together, and then I'll dismiss us with a word of prayer. Sing to Jesus.
sunsets and rain. Like a newborn baby, don't be afraid to crawl. And remember when you walk, sometimes we fall. So fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus. Sometimes the way is lonely and still can feel the pain. So if your sky is dark, then pours the rain and cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus. spills over and music fills the night when you can't contain your joy inside then dance for Jesus dance for Jesus dance for Jesus and your final heartbeat, kiss the world goodbye, and go in peace and laugh on glory's side, and fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, and Jesus, fly to Jesus.